Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. So today is our fourth True Crime Digest, and it feels insane that we've been doing this for four months already. Right? Time is moving at warp speed in True Creeps world. So today we've got updates for you on cases we've already covered, as well as a couple new cases. If you're looking for Lori Vallow updates, which we've had in our previous True Crime Digest episodes, check out the full episode that we released already. It's titled Murder Charges for Lori Vallow, Daybell, and Chad Daybell. There were a ton of updates in May, so we put everything in one because it was a bunch. It's a lengthy episode. A lengthy episode, but we're sure you will love it. If you've already listened to it, I'm sure you're like, ah, so good. I was very excited about the charges. Yes, yes. Amanda was like glowing. She was like, ah, yes, justice. This episode is a tad shorter than the usual, only because we took our episode and put it into two episodes so that the Lori Vallow one could come out quickly to get the news out there of there's finally murder charges. And we were just so damn excited. Yeah. So let's get into it. So our first one is Ditloff. Yeah, so it's just a small, quick update, but An Unknown Compelling Force, which is a documentary, will be released June 15th. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. Another one is actually Samuel Little, and I was very excited to see a little bit of an update, even though if you've listened to that episode, you know he is no longer around. So if you don't remember who Samuel Little was... He was the most prolific American serial killer, and he killed 93 people, and he's the one that drew them while incarcerated. So if you want to look at those drawings, you want to know more about him, check out our Samuel Little episode. But there is an update. So Miriam Angela Chapman was one of the women who was murdered, and they found next of kin for her. Police knew her last name and that she was from Indiana. The fall line did genealogy research and found her full name and provided it to the Miami detective who was trying to figure out Chapman's full name. And so it's just nice that there's still a little bit being uncovered for those families that have been missing a loved one for so long. There's still a ton more that haven't been identified yet, but they're still working on it. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when there's not a court case looming in the future, some of these can lose momentum. So this is good news. It's very good news. Also, Stars has a new documentary on Samuel Little that just came out on the 5th. I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet. I did watch, I think, two other ones that were out there, but I'm excited to watch this one too. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. So this one's a a bummer. And by a bummer, do you mean that you are enraged? Yeah, I was pretty upset when I read this one. So a little update from Kendrick Johnson. The police did track down the person who sold the recording to Kendrick's parents. And again, if you don't remember who Kendrick Johnson was, he was the teenager who was found rolled up in a gym mat. And some believe it's an accident. Some believe it was not an accident. And they're trying to get down to the bottom of it. Where we left off was there was a recording given to his family. They purchased this recording and it had some information that could be used to say who might have killed him. Well, unfortunately, the police tracked down the person who sold the recording to Kendrick's parents. They were concerned that it was not authentic because the person had a history of giving false statements. They tracked him down and he confessed that the recording was a fake. Ew. 
Why would you do that? Why? For why? So awful in every way. It's awful. Police are not releasing his name, which I can see why. But they did note that his accomplices are connected to the case. Hmm. Don't know how, but they're connected in some fashion. It was suspected that the recording was taken by someone in the Bell family, but the Bell brothers do not have a second cousin. That's just claims. We don't know if that's true yet, but I'm thinking in the future we'll find out a little bit more. Yeah. And just as a reminder, the person who had the recording claimed that they were recording their second cousin. So that's why it's relevant that they don't have a second cousin. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that the family finds out more information. I just can't even imagine what they're going through, thinking that they had a little bit of information to help figure out what happened. And now it was just taken away again. Exactly. It's heartbreaking. So we covered it last month, but we talked about the conviction of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd. And so on May 4th, Derek Chauvin's attorney, Eric Nelson, filed a motion for a new trial. The the grounds to support this, he claimed, were in the interest of justice, misconduct by the prosecution and the jury, errors of law at trial, abuse of discretion that deprived the defendant of a fair trial, and a verdict that is contrary to law. The specific abuses of discretion that Nelson claimed were that the court denied Chauvin's motion for a change of venue. And what I think is interesting here is I feel like... If this is successful, I know we said we weren't going to do Lori Vallow, but we can't help it. I could see Mark Means just being like leaning in and going, I'm sorry, a new trial because we didn't get a change of venue. Noted. Different states for sure. But I could definitely see them being like, look, another high profile case. Yeah. They got a new trial because they didn't do a change of venue. So I wonder if this is going to impact other noteworthy cases at the moment where they're like, oof. This is a weird precedent to set. Yeah, well, I could see that. And also, you know, Means follows this case quite a bit. Yeah, he does. I think he's even like been a commentator, right? Exactly. I actually just watched that last night, him being a commentator on, uh, I believe it was Court TV. And he has it under the blog area of his website. I find it interesting just how much he's like gripping on to any little bit of fame here. I don't like this glomming on behavior. It's like you should be just handling your client and that's it. So... The other abuses of discretion that he alleged were the failure of the court to sequester the jury. In case you don't know what the sequestering a jury means, it means that you basically kind of cut them out from the outside world. They're going to stay in a hotel. They're not going to be allowed to like watch TV, reach out to people. This way they won't have any media influence. The failure to accurately reflect the law regarding the second degree unintentional murder, third degree murder, and, and authorized use of force. He also said, quote, The publicity here was so pervasive and so prejudicial before and during the trial that it amounted to a structural defect in the proceedings. Doesn't that sound like something that means would also kind of raise? But so I thought that was a very interesting argument. If you do something heinous, the world's not going to be pleased about it. It doesn't mean that you get a new trial. Right. So he's also seeking an order for, for a hearing to impeach the verdict because the jury committed misconduct, felt threatened or intimidated felt race-based pressure during the proceedings and failed to adhere to instructions during deliberations. Can I just tell you that if you were claiming that white people felt bad and that's why they convicted Derek Chauvin, then I kind of just want to like bonk you on the head. Right. It just sounds foolish. You sound a little bit ridiculous. Race-based pressure during the proceedings? No. Like, yes, there is a race element to it. We're all aware of that. But to say that because that wasn't a concern, that therefore that's a reason for a new trial. No, my guy. Actually, not my guy. No, not my guy. Not great. Yeah. Just 
it's not surprising that he would try to appeal or overturn. That feels like standard in a high profile case, but it feels like everything's kind of a stretch. So let's move on to a a wholly different type of true crime update. So in February, I'm sure everyone heard of it. Lady Gaga's friend who walks her dogs, Ryan Fisher, was shot when three individuals shot him and stole her dogs. And she had put out a $500,000 reward for the return of her dogs. The three men who attacked Fisher were apparently just looking for French bulldogs to steal. Such a specific... Yeah, looking around, trying to find Frenchies. Like, that's not a thing. Hey, boys, let's go cruising for French pups. Right, right. I mean, they they are expensive dogs to find. And I don't like people that breed them. But if, if you can't find that dog, get a different dog. Rescue another dog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm under the assumption that they were going to try to sell them. Exactly. Well, that's it. They're expensive dogs. They're hard to find. And when I say hard to find, they're not just going to drive down the road and they're not going to find a Frenchie every time. So it's just kind of strange that that was their reasoning. (laughs) Yeah, no, agreed. Luckily, I will say the dogs were returned. They're safe. Everything's fine now. Very important to note. Yes. And Ryan Fisher is healing. He is out of the hospital. So James Jackson, Jalen White, Lafayette Whaley were each charged with attempted murder conspiracy to commit robbery and second degree robbery. Jackson, who had the gun, also faces charges related to the gun and White faces a count of assault by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury. White's father and his girlfriend, Jennifer McBride, helped White avoid arrest after the crime. McBride returned the dogs, alleging she found them tied to a pole. She asked about the reward as well. The audacity. So she was like, I'm going to make money off this either way. So horrible. Police told Lady Gaga not to pay anyone until they were cleared of the crime. So McBride was never actually cleared. So Fisher has actually been in and out of the hospital. As of today's date, last thing I saw, he is out. He's fine. But once he was released, he had to be re-hospitalized again because his lung collapsed. And on another note, Fisher reports that strangers are coming up to him on the street and saying, oh my God, you were shot, which is just so sad. And like his lack of privacy during his healing makes me really sad. Yeah. And there's a lot of articles out there talking about how he's having a hard time like mentally healing from what he went through. Because whenever he goes out in public, people are treating him like he's a celebrity for being shot. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, you were shot. You were shot. Like, you're Lady Gaga's dog walker that got shot. And he's like, I'm more than that. Yeah. First of all, I'm more than that. And then secondly, who in the world? What rude little cretins. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he's okay. And it makes me sad. I did read one article where he's saying he can't do things with dogs right now. And he just doesn't feel right. It sounds like he's having a really hard time not being able to do the thing that he loves. Yeah. And I could totally relate to him if I couldn't be around dogs and interact with dogs the way that I do daily. It would kill me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So our next update has to do with the Taryn Summers case and Connie Smith. So just the the briefest of little recaps, Connie Smith has been arrested in relation to her granddaughter, Taryn, who's eight years old, who was found in the back of her car and she was wrapped in a trash bag. And this was after she had reported her missing. So it was a pretty gross case for lack of a better description. And she had two older siblings that had also been missing and they had gone missing at different times. So a lot of people were very concerned that something had happened to them as well. 
But the prosecutor who brought charges against Connie Smith said Taylor Summers and Tristan Sexton, her siblings, have been interviewed face to face by law enforcement and are in no danger at this time. Because previously, all of the reports that we were seeing was that they had reached out to family members. And not to say that, like, that's not enough, but that's not as concrete as law enforcement has spoken with them. Right. Because, you know, you could send a text from someone's phone or you could call someone and, you know, they're like, oh, this is a girl's voice. It could be her and it might not be Taylor on the other line. So the preliminary hearing was scheduled for this month, but it was pushed to June 17th. So not a ton of movement on there, but we're just getting into the case. Yes. Now, there was another one, a new one that I found, and it was just really interesting. It's something we haven't covered before. It's the case of Douglas Scott Sr. and his house. So on March 4th, 2021, Douglas Scott Sr. died without a will. During the probate process, Douglas Scott Jr. was unable to find his sister, Denise Ramsey. He contacted family, friends but unfortunately, no one was able to locate her. Her last known location was their father's house, though. He filled out paperwork like affidavit of diligent search, but a missing persons case was not filed for Denise. The first weekend of May, the family was working to clean out Doug Sr.'s house, and they found remains in what is described as an outbuilding, but it seems to be more like a shed or a garage. Police are now currently interviewing the family. The remains are being DNA tested to confirm the identity, and the remains are being examined for cause of death. Woof. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. But let's just also put out there that two months isn't a really long time, and that if it was very clearly, Denise, I think that you would be able to visually tell, hopefully, like depending on the state of the remains. But there's a dead person in your father's house. Well, it was in his shed. And also, like, think about it. Like, an older person, somebody could go into their property and hide something. You might not know. It could be a terrifying coincidence. But I was fascinated by it. I was like, how interesting. Like, missing person and remains. It seems like it's the easiest conclusion. But law enforcement is like, we're not assuming that at this point. They're waiting for, like, DNA testing. And I was like, huh. Crazy. So... The last case that we're going to talk about tonight is from El Salvador, and it's from confessed murderer Hugo Osorio Chavez. And so he confessed to the murder of two women in May and was arrested. After he was arrested, they searched his property. And here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Depending on the source, I'm seeing different numbers. So there's eight to 40 bodies that they're estimating to be on his property. And so I've seen that there's confirmation of eight bodies, but there might be up to 40 and that they're still searching. So, well, not sure on an exact number, but there appears to be a murder ring that has been operating in the area for over 10 years. And Chavez had previously been arrested for sex crimes. And some say that they're digging are so deep that it seems like he would have had to have had at least one accomplice because like to get out of it. Yeah, because it's so far down. And so arrests for 10 other suspects have been issued and the remains appear to all be women. And at least three are children age nine, seven and two. It's horrible, which is awful. The director of police said that Chavez was fired in 2005. And they also said that, quote, he told us that he found victims on social media, sought them out, luring them away with the American dream. Oh, no. Disgusting. 
So there's two different prosecutors that I've seen weighing in. And the first is Max Munoz. And he said that DNA tests will be used to ID the remains. And there's also prosecutor Graciela Segostume, who told press the central axis of this investigation is sexual violence. That's so awful. There's so many people. And that it went on for a while then. Yeah. And that it seems like there were many people involved. It makes it more heinous because there's a police officer involved. And you're like, you're supposed to protect the community, not be literally a serial killer. Right. So those are the cases that we have for this week. As always, if there's cases that you're interested in, reach out to us. We'd love to include some more. Or if there's even, you know, say you watch some true crime documentary that you think is amazing, let us know. We'd love to chat about it. And with that, thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks for creeping with us. Thank you for listening to Cool Creep. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps.